0: The V by Nikolai Gogol, part 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit librivox.org. About this time, a report spread about that the daughter of a rich colonel whose estate lay about 50 versts distant from Kiev had returned home one day from a walk in a quite broken-down condition she had scarcely enough strength to reach her father's house now she lay dying and had expressed a wish that for three days after her death the prayers for the dead should be recited by a kiev seminarist named thomas brutus this fact was communicated to the philosopher by the rector of the seminary himself who sent for him to his room and told him that he must start at once as a rich colonel had sent his servants and a kibitka for him the philosopher trembled and was seized by an uncomfortable feeling which he could not define he had a gloomy foreboding that some evil was about to befall him without knowing why he declared that he did not wish to go listen thomas the rector said who under certain circumstances spoke very politely to his pupils i have no idea of asking you whether you wish to go or not i only tell you that if you think of disobeying i will have you so soundily flogged on the back with young birch rods that you need not think of having a bath for a long time the philosopher scratched the back of his head and went out silently intending to make himself scarce at the first opportunity lost in thought he descended the steep flight of steps which led to the courtyard thickly planted with poplars there he remained standing for a moment and heard quite distinctly the rector giving orders in a loud voice to his steward and to another person probably one of the messengers sent by the colonel thank your master for the peeled barley and the eggs said the rector and tell him that as soon as the books which he mentions in his note are ready i will send them i have already given them to a clerk to be copied and don't forget to remind your master that he has some excellent fish especially prime sturgeon in his ponds he might send me some when he has the opportunity as here in the fish market the fish are bad and dear and you yantuch give the colonel's man a glass of brandy and mind you tie up the philosopher or he will show you a clean pair of heels listen to the scoundrel thought the philosopher he has smelt a rat the long-legged stork he descended into the courtyard and beheld there a kibitka which he at first took for a barn on wheels it was in fact as roomy as a kiln so that bricks might have been made inside it it was one of those remarkable Krakow vehicles in which jews travelled from town to town in scores wherever they thought they would find a market six stout strong though somewhat elderly cossacks were standing by it their gold-braided coats of fine cloth showed that their master was rich and of some importance and certain little scars testified to their valour on the battlefield what can i do thought the philosopher there is no escaping one's destiny so he stepped up to the cossacks and said good day comrades welcome mr philosopher some of them answered well i am to travel with you it is a magnificent vehicle he continued as he got into it if there were only musicians present one might dance in it yes it is a roomy carriage said one of the cossacks taking his seat by the coachman the latter had tied a cloth round his head as he had already found an opportunity of pawning his cap in the alehouse the other five with the philosopher got into the capacious kibitka and sat upon sacks which were filled with all sorts of articles purchased in the city i should like to know said the philosopher if this equipage were laden with salt or iron how many horses would be required to draw it yes said the cossack who sat by the coachman after thinking a short time it would require a good many horses after giving this satisfactory answer the cossack considered himself entitled to remain silent for the whole of the rest of the journey the philosopher would gladly have found out who the colonel was and what sort of a character he had He was also curious to know about his daughter, who had returned home in such a strange way, and now lay dying, and whose destiny seemed to be mingled with his own, and wanted to know the sort of life that was lived in the colonel's house. But the Cossacks were probably philosophers like himself, for in answer to his inquiries they only blew clouds of tobacco and settled themselves more comfortably on their sacks meanwhile one of them addressed to the coachman on the box a brief command keep your eyes open Ovirko, you old sleepy head and when you come to the alehouse on the road to Chukrelov, don't forget to pull up and wake me and the other fellows if we are asleep then he began to snore pretty loud but in any case his admonition was quite superfluous for scarcely had the enormous equipage begun to approach the aforesaid alehouse than they all cried with one mouth halt halt besides this ovierco's horse was accustomed to stop outside every inn of its own accord in spite of the intense july heat they all got out and entered a low dirty room where a jewish innkeeper received them in a friendly way as old acquaintances he brought in the skirt of his long coat some sausages and laid them on the table where though forbidden by the talmud they looked very seductive all sat down at table and it was not long before each of the guests had an earthenware jug standing in front of him the philosopher thomas had to take part in the feast and as the little russians when they are intoxicated always begin to kiss each other or to weep the whole room soon began to echo with demonstrations of affection come here come here spirit let me embrace thee come here dorosh let me press you to my heart one cossack with a gray mustache the eldest of them all lent his head on his hand and began to weep bitterly because he was an orphan and alone in god's wide world another tall loquacious man did his best to comfort him saying don't weep for god's sake don't weep for over there god knows best the cossack who had been addressed as dorosh was full of curiosity and addressed many questions to the philosopher thomas i should like to know he said what you learn in your seminary do you learn the same things as the deacon reads to us in church or something else don't ask said the consoler let them learn what they like god knows what is to happen god knows everything no oh i will know answered dorosh i will know what is written in their books perhaps it is something quite different from that in the deacon's book oh good heavens, said the other why all this talk it is god's will and one cannot change god's arrangements but i will know everything that is written i will enter the seminary too by heaven i will do you think perhaps i could not learn i will learn everything everything oh heavens exclaimed the consoler and let his head sink on the table for he could no longer hold it upright the other cossacks talked about the nobility and why there was a moon in the sky when the philosopher thomas saw the state they were in he determined to profit by it and to make his escape in the first place he turned to the gray-headed cossack who was lamenting the loss of his parents but little uncle he said to him why do you weep so i too am an orphan let me go children why do you want me let him go said some of them he is an orphan let him go where he likes they were about to take him outside themselves when the one who had displayed a special thirst for knowledge stopped them saying no i want to talk with him about the seminary i am going to the seminary myself moreover it was not yet certain whether the philosopher could have executed his project of flight for when he tried to rise from his chair he felt as though his feet were made of wood and he began to see such a number of doors leading out of the room that it would have been difficult for him to have found the right one it was not till evening that the company remembered that they must continue their journey they crowded into the kibitka whipped up the horses and struck up a song the words and sense of which were hard to understand during a great part of the night they wandered about having lost the road which they ought to have been able to find blindfolded at last they drove down a steep descent into a valley and the philosopher noticed by the sides of the road hedges behind which he caught glimpses of small trees and house roofs all these belonged to the colonel's estate it was already long past midnight the sky was dark though little stars glimmered here and there no light was to be seen in any of the houses they drove into a large courtyard while the dogs barked. On all sides were barns and cottages with thatched roofs. Just opposite the gateway was a house, which was larger than the others, and seemed to be the colonel's dwelling. The kibitkas stopped before a small barn, and the travelers hastened into it and laid themselves down to sleep. The philosopher, however, attempted to look at the exterior of the house but, rub his eyes as he might, he could distinguish nothing. The house seemed to turn into a bear, and the chimney into the rector of the seminary. Then he gave it up and lay down to sleep. When he woke up the next morning, the whole house was in commotion. The young lady had died during the night the servants ran hither and thither in a distracted state the old women wept and lamented and a number of curious people gazed through the enclosure into the courtyard as though there were something special to see the philosopher began now to inspect the locality and the buildings which he had not been able to do during the night the colonel's house was one of those low small buildings such as used formerly to be constructed in russia it was thatched with straw a small high-peaked gable with a window shaped like an eye was painted all over with blue and yellow flowers and red crescent moons it rested on little oaken pillars which were round above the middle hexagonal below and whose capitals were adorned with quaint carvings under the gable was a small staircase with seats at the foot of it on either side the walls of the house were supported by similar pillars before the house stood a large pear-tree of pyramidal shape whose leaves incessantly trembled a double row of buildings formed a broad street leading up to the colonel's house behind the barns near the entrance gate stood two three-cornered wine-houses also thatched with straw each of the stone walls had a door in it and was covered with all kinds of paintings on one was represented a cossack sitting on a barrel and swinging a large pitcher over his head it bore the inscription i will drink all that elsewhere were painted large and small bottles a beautiful girl a running horse a pipe and a drum bearing the words wine is the cossack's joy in the loft of one of the barns one saw through a huge round window a drum and some trumpets at the gate there stood two cannons all this showed that the colonel loved a cheerful life and the whole place often rang with sounds of merriment before the gate were two windmills and behind the house gardens sloped away through the tree-tops the dark chimneys of the peasants houses were visible the whole village lay on a broad even plateau in the middle of a mountain slope which culminated in a steep summit on the north side when seen from below it looked still steeper here and there on the top the irregular stems of the thick step brooms showed in dark relief against the blue sky the bare clay soil made a melancholy impression worn as it was into deep furrows by rain-water on the same slope there stood two cottages and over one of them a huge apple-tree spread its branches the roots were supported by small props whose interstices were filled with mould the apples which were blown off by the wind rolled down to the courtyard below a road wound round the mountain to the village when the philosopher looked at this steep slope and remembered his journey of the night before he came to the conclusion that either the colonel's horses were very sagacious or that the cossacks must have very strong heads as they ventured even when the worse for drink on such a road with the huge when the philosopher turned and looked in the opposite direction he saw quite another picture the village reached down to the plain meadows stretched away to an immense distance their bright green growing gradually dark far away about twenty versts off many other villages were visible to the right of these meadows were chains of hills and in the remote distance one saw the dnieper shimmer and sparkle like a mirror of steel what a splendid country said the philosopher to himself it must be fine to live here one could catch fish in the dnieper and in the ponds and shoot and snare partridges and bustards there must be quantities here much fruit might be dried here and sold in the town or better still brandy might be distilled from it for fruit brandy is the best of all but what prevents me thinking of my escape after all behind the hedge he saw a little path which was almost entirely concealed by the high grass of the steppe the philosopher approached it mechanically meaning at first to walk a little along it unobserved and then quite quietly to gain the open country behind the peasants houses suddenly he felt the pressure of a fairly heavy hand on his shoulder behind him stood the same old cossack who yesterday had so bitterly lamented the death of his father and mother and his own loneliness you are giving yourself useless trouble mr philosopher if you think you can escape from us he said one cannot run away here and besides the roads are too bad for walkers come to the colonel he has been waiting for you for some time in his room yes of course what are you talking about i will come with the greatest pleasure said the philosopher and followed the cossack The Colonel was an elderly man. His moustache was grey, and his face wore the signs of deep sadness. He sat in his room by a table, with his head propped on both hands. He seemed about five and fifty, but his attitude of utter despair and the pallor of his face showed that his heart had been suddenly broken, and that all his former cheerfulness had forever disappeared when thomas entered with the cossack he answered their deep bows with a slight inclination of the head who are you whence do you come and what is your profession my good man asked the colonel in an even voice neither friendly nor austere i am a student of philosophy my name is thomas brutus and who was your father i don't know sir and your mother i don't know either i know that i must have had a mother but who she was and where she lived by heavens i do not know the colonel was silent and seemed for a moment lost in thought where did you come to know my daughter i don't know her gracious sir i declare i do not know her why then has she chosen you and no one else to offer up prayers for her The philosopher shrugged his shoulders god only knows it is a well-known fact that grand people often demand things which the most learned man cannot comprehend and does not the proverb say dance devil as the lord commands aren't you talking nonsense mr philosopher may the lightning strike me on the spot if i lie if she had only lived a moment longer, said the colonel sadly, then I had certainly found out everything. She said, Let no one offer up prayers for me, but send Father at once to the seminary in Kiev for the student Thomas Brutus. He shall pray three nights running for my sinful soul. He knows but what he really knows she never said the poor dove could speak no more and died good man you are probably well known for your sanctity and devout life and she has perhaps heard of you what of me said the philosopher and took a step backward in amazement i and sanctity he exclaimed and stared at the colonel god help us gracious sir what are you saying it was only last holy thursday that i paid a visit to the tart shop well she must at any rate have had some reason for making the arrangement and you must begin your duties to-day i should like to remark to your honour naturally every one who knows the holy scripture at all can in his measure but i believe it would be better on this occasion to send for a deacon or subdeacon they are learned people and they know exactly what is to be done i have not got a good voice nor any official standing You may say what you like, but I shall carry out all my dove's wishes. If you read the prayers for her three nights through in the proper way, I will reward you. And if not, I advise the devil himself not to oppose me. The colonel spoke the last words in such an emphatic way that the philosopher quite understood them follow me said the colonel they went into the hall the colonel opened a door which was opposite his own the philosopher remained for a few minutes in the hall in order to look about him then he stepped over the threshold with a certain nervousness the whole floor of the room was covered with red cloth in a corner under the icons of the saints on a table covered with a gold-bordered velvet cloth lay the body of the girl tall candles round which were wound branches of the kalina stood at her head and feet and burned dimly in the broad daylight the face of the dead was not to be seen as the inconsolable father sat before his daughter with his back turned to the philosopher the words which the latter overheard filled him with a certain fear i do not mourn my daughter that in the flower of your age you have prematurely left the earth to my grief but i mourn my dove that i do not know my deadly enemy who caused your death had i only known that any one could even conceive the idea of insulting you or of speaking a disrespectful word to you i swear by heaven he would never have seen his children again if he had been as old as myself nor his father and mother if he had been young and i would have thrown his corpse to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the step, But woe is me, my flower, my dove, my light. I will spend the remainder of my life without joy, and wipe the bitter tears which flow out of my old eyes, while my enemy will rejoice and laugh in secret over the helpless old man." he paused overpowered by grief and streams of tears flowed down his cheeks the philosopher was deeply affected by the sight of such inconsolable sorrow he coughed gently in order to clear his throat the colonel turned and signed to him to take his place at the head of the dead girl before a little prayer-desk on which some books lay i can manage to hold out for three nights thought the philosopher and then the colonel will fill both my pockets with ducats he approached the dead girl and after coughing once more began to read without paying attention to anything else and firmly resolved not to look at her face soon there was deep silence and he saw that the colonel had left the room slowly he turned his head in order to look at the corpse a violent shudder thrilled through him before him lay a form of such beauty as is seldom seen upon earth it seemed to him that never in a single face had so much intensity of expression and harmony of feature been united her brow soft as snow and pure as silver seemed to be thinking the fine regular eyebrows shadowed proudly the closed eyes whose lashes gently rested on her cheeks which seemed to glow with secret longing her lips still appeared to smile but at the same time he saw something in these features which appalled him a terrible depression seized his heart as when in the midst of dance and song someone begins to chant a dirge he felt as though those ruby lips were coloured with his own heart's blood moreover her face seemed dreadfully familiar the witch he cried out in a voice which sounded strange to himself then he turned away and began to read the prayers with white cheeks it was the witch whom he had killed end of the v by nikolai gogol part 2